Hey, what's up? How about this, listeners? It's Mike Staub back for another episode of How About This, and this is the first episode of Season 2. Season 1 was such a success for us. Boy, did we enjoy every single minute of Season 1, whether it was where, from where we started with Batman all the way through the Summer of Slam. And we should have gotten back to you earlier than we have. We had an episode that we had recorded, but we definitely hit some very strange audio issues during that episode, so we weren't able to really put it out there. We didn't feel comfortable putting it out there, but welcome to Season 2. We have a very odd show to kick off Season 2. This is something that is very near and dear to the hearts of both myself and Jordan. This is a game and a property that we've engaged with throughout our friendship together and something that we really, really embraced back when we were in high school. It's a weird West tabletop RPG system slash card game called Doomtown. It is an Old West, Weird West, vampires, zombies, science fiction, Lovecraft Cthulhu stuff, cowboys, outlaws, you name it. Anything you can find in the West, plus pretty much everything you can find in weird sci-fi horror stuff that kind of takes place around the turn of the previous century. So we think you will have a lot of fun with Doomtown, and we just want to thank you again for listening to us and dealing with us with all of these audio issues. This episode sounds great. There are no audio issues on this episode, unless, you know, you don't like my voice or Jordan's voice, so there's nothing we can do to help you out there. But we really hope you enjoy this episode as Jordan and I talk about Doomtown. What's up? How about this, listeners? We are back again for Season 2 of the How About This Show. I just want to say... We ran into some technical difficulties on a past episode that we had recorded. There was some really bad recording issues, so there should have been an episode before this, but we're going to actually be redoing that episode for the next one. And on this week's episode, Jordan and I decided to do something that's a little bit for us. Every now and again, when you do a podcast and you're doing something, you're talking about a lot of different things, you want to do something that's just for you or the folks out there that are really into this property. Yeah, this is a bold return. I have to say, this is not the property we probably should have gone with as... Well, this episode may end up being our season two premiere. Yes. Pr- pr- yeah, pretty, pr- sure likely, yeah. pretty sure it is. Pretty sure it is. And this is an out there property that yeah. actually I'm excited to talk about because not only will we be connecting with like a niche of a niche group that might be excited to hear about this this is just a cool thing to know about just as nerds in general yeah i think that this is the purpose of this show is to not only have us talk about something that we obviously love but also to talk about and educate people out there to this awesome property that exists in a very small niche of a niche of a niche out there and it's one of those things where not a lot of people know about this we love it jordan and i like this was high school for us. Like without yeah. this property, we and we sort of found this property by accident. Completely by accident. It was something that we stumbled into, got super into it for a few years, and it it had already been kind of gone by that point in time. But the property that we're talking about today is a subsection or a spin-off of a pro- popular or semi-popular tabletop system called Deadlands, which is a weird west tabletop RPG, so something in the vein of like a Dungeons and Dragons, but it's set in a steampunk, zombie, yeah, it's a weird, Lovecraftian... Weird, weird Western horror setting. Yes, yeah. a, a weird Western horror setting that has like all of the trappings of being a Western, but also horror, but also steampunk, but also 
sci-fi and all this stuff and hopefully we've we've whetted their appetites i would yes. like to introduce my co-host on yes. this podcast on the how about this podcast back for another season of unbridled insanity the mayor of gomorra himself uh, the people have elected him the mayor of gomorra because it is election day in gomorra as it turns out wow he's the sheriff sheriff of sheriff of doomtown mike staub thank you so much for that it's crazy you, you that, law dog it's you. crazy being both the mayor and the sheriff in at a the town same time. this corrupt yes. it's absolutely possible and i can do what i want i'm the chief of police and, <laughs> and to introduce uh, they're all gonna die <laughs> and to introduce my co-host he is a level three huckster i'm pretty sure we're dealing with the experience two version of wow. of jordan right now the heir to the watley family estate Ooh. mr jordan hugh thank you what's brilliant about this is because our audience might not know Deadlands and Doomtown that well, yeah. they didn't get a single one of those references. And that's fine because we're here to educate. So yeah. we are talking so, about Doomtown. Today. Yeah. The front end of this episode is going to be a little heavier than our normal fare just because we're making an assumption, which is that many of you might not know this property that well, or if you do, you might not know much about it. Yes. So we're just going to just talk about what this is for a moment, like a little bit more than we normally do. Yeah. Like usually we're doing a very well-known property like a Jurassic Park or, you know, something like that. Doomtown, Deadlands, these are these are not super well-known properties. No, and there are a lot of niche, you know, RPG systems out there and Deadlands is one of them and Doomtown is a card game. A card game, a story-driven collectible or trading card game based off of the Deadlands mythos kind of part of the Deadlands storyline. Yeah. But in the end, it is a very niche card game that very few people played. It was a story-driven uh, card game, which is rare in, in and of itself. But we hope a lot of you, once you listen to this out there and see and hear about what Doomtown really is and what it's about, we hope that you go out there and actually research it and give this some heat because Doomtown as a card game is is good. It's a good card game. It's a fun card game. But what makes Doomtown really good are its characters, its story, its environment. I think this is a property that is just so ready for some sort of revamp or some way to take these stories and characters and put them into some other medium that is not a card game. Yeah, the other thing about this that puts this right into how about this crosshairs territory is that the game has had a sort of a recent resurgence, a recent as in the last few years, but it has not reclaimed its fan base, no. really. Uh, I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. There is a loyal base of dedicated players that are still playing uh, what is known as Doomtown Reloaded. Yes. Which is kind of like a, not really a reprint. It's kind of like a redux of the original game, but sort of not enough. We'll, we'll get into that. It's kind of like a requel, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there are people still playing this card game. Um, yeah. And there are people that are still... Uh, running the tabletop adventures for the Weird West. And we'll talk about all that in a moment. It's of interest to how about this because we think we have ideas as to how to kind of put this game perhaps where it should have always been. Because the, the bit of intrigue about Doomtown slash Deadlands is it was always a little too good yeah. for the very little yeah. audience it had. And we would sit around those tables sort of baffled. Like, how do not more people know about this and appreciate it? And it just never really got its wider audience. Exactly. And we've talked about Magic the Gathering on this show before and how Magic the Gathering has now has this kind of overarching story. And the story was always kind of baked into the cards there. But you had to read books and and 
try to piece together the flavor text, and it never really felt like there was this overconnecting story in Magic until f- somewhat recently. Whereas from day one of Doomtown, there was a story with characters, with events that happen in the game, with events that happened because of tournament play that happened then in the game and characters would actually get better as you went through the series and you'd have updated versions of your characters that would get better over time. So it's a very interesting story and it's it's weird that it's just stuck in this card game slash tabletop space. Right, and there were only two card games I can think of that had what we're going to refer to as storyline tournaments, which was like when there was like the big tournaments, nationals or like some kind of international competition for the game. Uh, there were two games, Doomtown and the other, which was also popular in sort of the mid to late 90s, uh, Legend of the Five Five Rings, which they would have these big tournaments and the events of the big tournaments, like who actually beat who in the game, uh, would actually affect the literal storyline. So if a character died in that card game at that tournament, they died in the game and you would read about that in the the (laughs) storyline, which was pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool. And sometimes they'd come back as a zombie. So yeah, it's one of those right. things. The harrowed, where, yeah. Yeah, they come back as a zombie. So this there's so let's give them a little a little crash course on what Doomtown is sure. in terms of everything, right? So we've already said it's a collectible card game from I think I think the card game ran from nineteen ninety eight to two thousand one. Yep. And it's based off of a Yeah, Pinnacle Entertainment uh tabletop RPG setting called Deadlands. Mm-hmm. Which is the, just as you described earlier in the show, it is a weird western horror steampunk setting for tabletop adventures. Yeah. Just like you would play, you know, like a and d or something like that. You can play that system. That setting has kind of made a tour yes. of every possible system. There was a D20 version. There was a, a Savage Worlds version at one point. Uh, basically any tabletop system that you could run a game on had a weird western version of it. Uh, and additionally... Um, the guy whose brainchild this all is, he's got a weird name, uh, and you might already know it. His name is Shane Lacey Hensley. Yeah. Shane Lacey Hensley. He's, um, still, still in the business, still in the game. He is still doing stuff. He is still producing Weird West material and beyond. And he's a visionary and and a genius and, you know, really, it seems like a, a cool guy. Kind of a weird guy on social media. If you follow him, I recommend it. He's, he's got some weird stuff, but, um... His, his world is so uh, expansive and, and cool. He really kind of has the market cornered on what that is. Yeah. Uh, in fact, when I've played things that are adjacent to it, like that weren't created by him, like Shadows of Brimstone or mm-hmm, something like mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. Or, or even like Red Dead Redemption, you know, and the, and like the zombie, the stuff, zombie yeah. stuff, that all reminded me of Shane Lacey Hensley's stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really cool. Yeah, and it definitely seems like a lot of folks who might have done other Weird West related things. Like there's even a game coming out this year from for Devolver Entertainment called Weird West, yeah. which is just exactly kind of what Doomtown was about and or Deadlands. And it's, like you said, it's steampunk, it's Wild West, it's Weird West, it's horror, it's Lovecraftian, yeah. it's science fiction, it's everything... They even have Kung Fu and ninjas and stuff in it. Right, Kung Fu ninjas. And the reason why they can get away with all that together is because it's all very pulp. Yes. And so long as it was like, oh, this basically has pulp flavor, they felt okay about including that. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And and that's what kind of makes it kind of makes it work in the end. You know, it's one of those things where it's just like it's it's yeah, that's really it, right? It's very like pulpy that it just all yeah. works that you can kind of make it fit together. Sometimes it feels like it's this kind of weird fever dream of a of a system but ultimately it's just 
unbelievably good. It's got so much going for it. And I think that Doomtown is one of the most interesting stories and cast of characters in any gaming system that I've ever been, uh, I've ever experienced. Yeah. So normally on the show now, for anyone who's just joining us new this season, uh, after our intro, we usually move into like what our personal experience with the game yes. has been. Uh, so Mike, what was your sort of introduction to Doomtown? I and mean, obviously we got into this one together, so mine will be similar to yours, but how, how did you even find out about this game that most people didn't know? So Doomtown was something that I didn't get into right away. Like I didn't know about Doomtown, um, much. And at that point in time, I was, when we got into Doomtown, which I think it was 11th grade. So I think it was, the game was already dead. So this was already like 2002 or 2000, yeah, 2001 or 2002, maybe even 2003 that we really started getting into Doomtown. Right. So the game had been dead for like two years. And we, and I remember you telling me about Doomtown because you used to bring Inquest in all the time to school. Yes. And I remember one of the cards that you had brought in from Inquest was Lucky Rabbit's Foot. Yes. Which was a Doomtown card. And I remember you showing me pictures from Inquest about Doomtown. And there was a card of a character who looked like Jack Nicholson. Yes, this and was a Howard, Howard Finley, Finley experience. He's yes. a Sweet Rock yes. uh, dude. So it yeah. looked like Jack Nicholson. You're like, check out this game. It's ridiculous. It's like a Wild West game, but there's ghosts and zombies and werewolves and scientists and all this stuff. And the whole point of the game is that, you know, you have to take control of this crazy boom town. And you guys were all playing magic. We were playing magic at the time. I think you and our friend Greg were going to like Friday Night Magic at a, at a store in Huntington on Long Island quite regularly. And then I think they kind of showed you guys what Doomtown was. And then our group of friends, I remember you guys going to, coming to school and it's like, you were like, you were playing the agency, which is one of the factions. You would, you would pick a faction in Doomtown. You were playing the agency. Greg was playing the Law Dogs. That sounds right. And then you were like, hey, these are all the teams. There's 10 teams in Doomtown. Let's get 10 people together and start playing this game. And I would say probably like six or eight of us really played seriously. And we all picked a team. We all picked a, a faction. And then three or four of us played stupidly. Yes. Jerks. Yes. Yeah, those jerks played so dumb. And then we had a group of... Um, it was a mixture of players who were playing Magic or then Yu-Gi-Oh! And we all kind of jumped on Doomtown because it was stupid cheap. You were able to buy packs for like a dollar at the local Right, game yeah, the, store. the game was dead. So yeah. the, they were basically giving it away. Giving it away. I remember going into the store and buying a stack of 20 packs and it was 20 bucks. Yep. And just being able to build decks out of it. They had a whole bunch of starters and all that starter packs and all that stuff. And... Little by little, we switched teams around. I think Jordan ended up... You ended up settling on a team called the Blackjacks. Yeah, I had... I think we were all doing two factions apiece by the end. Yeah, my, by the my end. main guys were the Blackjacks, which were one of the premier factions at oh, the time. Oh, yeah. They're probably like the, the unspoken heroes of the of the story. Yeah, pe people would argue it's the Watleys, but mm -hmm. yes, I agree. So the Blackjacks uh, were my sort of number one faction. My number two were the Agency, which was just... It was the faction yes. I started with, so I had a soft spot for them. Also playing as, you know, the undead ghost of Abraham Lincoln fucking rules. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I always loved the agency. I thought they were they were really good um, and really fun. You, I, did, you did Law Dogs. I started with Sweet Rock. And Sweet Rock. I started with Sweet Rock. Sweet Rock was, was the mining company that went into this mining city Who in California. Who are the undispu in, undisputable evil in the game. One of the, they are one of the evil. true evil. Yes, they are awful. Because they would like employ zombies and you know steal people's land and all that yeah, jazz. Yeah, they're bad people. Bad folks. Yeah. And then I switched over to Law Dogs, which were the the police later on. So it's the sheriff's department and all of those folks. So you're hearing us say all these names 
so we should probably give a background on what Doomtown really is. Doomtown is in the name of the series. Doomtown is the name, is the nickname given to a town that's built on the California coastline called Gomorrah, which is obviously named after the mythical evil city in the Bible. Yeah, what's wild is I actually have to go one step further. Uh, so this whole game takes place in an alternate past. Yes. Um, basically, it supposes a couple of different things, and all of these things become true for this game, Doomtown, and this world-setting Deadlands. One, that um, this these these ancient evil spirits that come from, like, essentially beyond the veil, beyond the stars. There's come some of your Lovecraftian intrigue, right? These um, Reckoners, yes. they're called. They're coming, and they want to bring about the Deadlands. They want to basically turn Earth into a Deadland. They want to bring about what is essentially the Apocalypse. Uh, steal your sanity, steal your soul, all that stuff. They're starting to influence uh, our world and our history, and they create this alternate version of the past where the Civil War never ended. Yep. It just grinds on. Uh, in Into a, like the 1880s, it, right? right? Uh, you know, it's it's totally at a standstill. It's a stalemate. California has a massive earthquake that knocks it off the United States proper and on the coast of what is basically former California into what is known as the Great Maze, which is like the broken pieces of California. That is Gomorrah, which is like the town at the end of the world, which is uh, the, the, the title town, Doomtown. Yes. So in Gomorrah, they find this resource while mining called Ghost Rock. Right. Which is, from what I gather, it's like the fossilized souls of humanity. I think that's. I think I can't say it better than that. When you burn it, it screams. It screams, and it's it it's cleaner than coal. It burns better than coal. It's like this. It's this. It's like better. It's worth more money than gold. And the whole point of the story is that Ghost Rock is this unbelievable, like mystical resource. So yes. Gamora becomes a total boomtown overnight. Right. We get to replay the California Gold Rush of 1849, but now it is the Ghost Rock Rush yes. of I guess you know I don't know. 1879 or whatever it's going to be 1871 whatever 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 1800s whatever post civil war 1800s year you want so then all these folks rush out to gomorrah and essentially build this giant boom city yeah so let's just go faction by faction what are they all doing out there so we've got our blackjacks the blackjacks are the premier outlaw faction they're led by blackjack jackson who Mm -hmm. um in the surface you know kind of at the first outset just seems like oh he's like the typical black hat yeah. Dude, he happens to be a black man, by the yes, way, yes. Uh, like a, bla- a strong black character, which was just kind of cool yeah. uh, to be introduced. Actually, like, awesome, yeah. Yeah, because that, that figure doesn't really appear in Pulp Western a lot, so no. it was just cool to have him. And he was a miner. He started out as a miner. He, so allegedly, I think in the storyline, he struck the first, first Ghost, Ghost Rock, Rock strike yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and had it stolen from him For by Sweet Rock. Sweet Rock. Yeah. Um, so that's like sort of the first faction. Do you want to take another faction? Yeah, and just before that, I just want to say that like Jack Jackson, he he finds the Ghost Rock, he has it stolen from him. So in the game, he is like your typical, he is like your anti-hero. Right. right. He wants revenge. He wants revenge. Against Sweet Rock, who are kind of the more arch villains. Yes, yeah, so we're talking about Sweet Rock. So Sweet Rock is the mining company that is from the East Coast right. and goes out to Gamora to mine Ghost Rock. Yeah, and they run the town. And they run the town, and they buy everything up and all that normal, you know... You know, corporate takeover, stealing land and taking all that stuff. And Sweet Rock is, at this point in time, run by someone... Well, in the Gamora branch is run by someone named Howard Finley, who happens to just kind of look like Jack Nicholson. So the yeah, characters... That, that artwork is unforgettable yeah, it's, on the experience yeah, it's crazy. They just straight up use Jack from The Shining. So yeah. 
what what's beautiful about Doomtown is they almost went out of their way to kind of like put celebrity likenesses on the they the did art. they did it for more than one card for sure yes. and you uh part of what was so appealing about the Doomtown cards well, well two things which we'll get more into but one is that the art is in pulp comic style yes right so it is not it's not painterly yeah. like a, like a magic card would yeah. be and it's not cartoony like a like Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh. It's its own thing. Yeah. It's the kind of art you would see on like the cover of a pulp novel. Yes. And, um, yeah, and the I, other thing was that the cards all serve two purpose. Yes. Uh, there was the game card itself. And in the upper, I think, left-hand corner of the card, it had a suit and a value. So you were actually building a card deck out of this, like a 52-card poker deck and playing poker with poker, this deck. Yeah, quite a bit. That's so how you resolved combat. All of your combat would be resolved via poker hands that you could you could make out of your deck and you could stack your deck in certain ways because you didn't have to have like a 52 card bicycle deck where it was like every single Right, you could have a cheating deck. You can have a cheating yeah, deck like with that, like five copies of the 5 of spades. Or exactly. Like that. So yeah. you know, when you did a shootout, you kind of wanted to build four of a kind or you know, uh full houses and stuff like that. And that's how you resolve your combat. And uh, what you would do in the game is you would actually build a town and kind of go all throughout the town and call people out and have shootouts and go on jobs and do all this stuff in game. But uh, I took Sweet Rock. You want to take another faction? The Law Dogs. Law Dogs, yeah. Um, so actually, uh, we, I guess we must have done this on purpose. Um, we just did like the factions for episodes one, two, and three. Um, the Law Dogs are, as said, the law in town. At the start of the game, they're led by Sheriff J.P. Coleman. Who is like your very sort of John Wayne-ish, like good guy sheriff of the town. Very much. Um, and he's just trying to manage things because this town, not only is Jack Jackson and the Blackjacks a problem, Coleman is definitely aware that Sweet Rock is corrupt, and he's also a good person. So he's just trying to like make life okay for the people that have moved out here, but it's totally untenable. And now Coleman is starting to realize something else, like okay, Sweet Rock's a problem, the Blackjack's are a problem, these citizens are ornery and unhappy. And also now there's an incredible amount of supernatural stuff that's happening yes. that he doesn't know how to deal with. And this, these are like all of your, the supernatural things that are happening are all of your folklore and folk tales and all this stuff. So right. zombies and ghosts and spirits and Lovecraftian horror monsters. And probably and the most fascinating are the Harrowed. The Harrowed, Harrowed are, yeah. um as far as I know, they're unique yes. to this yes. world. Harrowed are the undead, but they're not vampires and they're not zombies and they're not ghosts. They are basically, man, I'm just going to say, they're like flesh ghosts, Yeah, basically. Yeah. Like your body comes back. Yes. And your soul inhabit it, inhabits it, but it's accompanied by this this Manitou, this uh, sort of native spirit Yes, um, that is animating it. And you are decomposing at a very slow rate. And you have basically magic powers. Can I yeah. say it better than that? I yeah. mean, that's really it. It's like you're supernatural, but you're also still decaying, but you're also kind of alive, but you're also kind of not alive. It's like, imagine if zombies were fully aware and intelligent and had all of their regular yeah. life skills plus some other special stuff. And as we get into that with J.P. Coleman and the Law Dogs, he's actually one of the only few characters in the game that has two factions. And he's also a member of a team called the Agency, which at the beginning is kind of like your your FBI type of X-Files crew who right. are like the folks that come out to Gamora to investigate all of the weird stuff that's going on in this city. And they're the vampire hunters and the werewolf hunters and the people that are fighting like the Harrowed. 
Strangely enough, they're led by a harrowed version, an undead version of Abraham Lincoln yeah. after he had been killed which I at think Ford's was actually Theater. I think that was actually the selling point yes. on this game for me, which I was just like, oh, cool, the agency. They're like Scully and Mulder. And then I was like, and they're led by like a glowing Abraham Lincoln who still has the bullet wound from John Wilkes Booth. And I yes. was like, I need to play this fucking game. And he's referred to as the, the ghost. ghost. The ghost, yeah. And, and it's just, Andrew Lane, the ghost. Andrew Lane, the ghost. And it's just, yeah. It's just, it's just Abraham Lincoln, which is great. Yeah, so that's the Union side. Like, yes. the Union has sent in their own agency for supernatural affairs. The Confederacy, which, remember, the Civil War hasn't ended, so they're still fully a thing, has also sent in their own team of, like, supernatural sleuths, basically. Yes. Um, I... I guess their agenda is very similar to the agency. They are a little bit more blowhardy and foolhardy yes. about the way they go about things. This is the Texas Rangers. Yes. Um, they play an important role in the plot, but really they just kind of seemed like the other agency yeah. to me. Um, these two factions, the agency and the Texas Rangers, by the way, will also go on in the story of the game to come to represent the Union Army and the Confederate Army, which in time do make their way to Gamora. Eventually, yeah, the Civil War does find its way to Gamora, and I'm never crazy about that. No, I like that, that was the middle separate. of the storyline, but yeah. it was um, an odd, odd switch. It's 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 definitely odd. The Texas Rangers hilariously end up employing um, to for their army a lot of undead. Which is right. weird. So they became like the zombie faction. They became like, I'm playing abominations. Yes, yeah. I'm playing a bunch of like abominations and, and, and whatever. And harrowed yeah. things. And, uh, with and of course, Tombstone Frank. A Tombstone the, Frank. The best yeah. Texas Rangers character. Oh, of course, yeah. by far. He unkillable Tombstone Frank. Yeah. And then uh, with all this weird stuff, you got the Lovecraftian literally pulled out of Lovecraft. Yeah. Uh, out of Lovecraft stories, you have the Watley family, who is a Adams family. But the Watleys are actually part of the Watley name is actually part of Lovecraft's stuff. It's from the mythos of Lovecraft. Yes. The, those characters are featured in like Dunwich Horror and like yes. a bunch of other Lovecraft stories. Yeah. So the Watleys are this you know upper class East Coast Maine style family. Yes. That is all inbred and yeah and monstrous and, and depending on who you ask, like um, they're kind of the ones who kind of hold the legacy of this game. Yeah, they kind of won Doomtown. Yeah. I mean, the story has wrapped now, and I guess, hey, spoilers for Doomtown, something that, like, you really can't even basically look up. Um, the Watleys kind of took over yeah. in the end. So uh, they represent, like, a pure sort of ancient evil, and they kind of won. So that's that's the kind of tone that yes. this game had. Well, I think that was a storyline tournament in the end. The Watleys ended up winning because, you know... Edge lords who play card games tend to like sure. evil stuff. They were definitely the edge lord sort yes. of faction. Oh yeah, um, led by Nic Nicodemus Watley, who kind of looks like Ozzy Osbourne. So it's kind of like right. a, I don't know what kind of look they were going for yeah. with him. He is a really cool character. He's in Deadlands Reloaded as yes. well, yes, the Doomtown Reloaded yes, game. He, he is actually the mayor. Um, so um, listen. Ghost Rock is this substance that is super valuable. It's also super efficient at powering, you know, engines and technology and things like that. So of course you get scientists that want to come out and experiment with it. So you get the game's sort of other big early faction, um, which is the Collegium. Yeah, I love uh, the Collegium. And the Collegium are a group of mad scientists, many of whom are, they seem to be European. Um, yeah, specifically who, like German. Yeah, German, uh, you know. Italian. Right, just, just any kind yeah. of European guy is out there doing experiments with Ghost Rock. And basically it's like, 
a super age of steampunk. Yes. Right. So they're making stuff that like we still don't have now. Like ghost rock ray <laughs> like, guns. Like and, robots. Yeah. You know, and, and they're using ghost rock to power it. So yes. that that shit is happening as well for my Wild Wild West fans. With, uh, yeah, it's, it's very Wild Wild West with like a little flair of like one of their leaders, one of the folks that's high up in the... Uh, in the collegium is legitimately just Albert Einstein. Yeah, Eric Zarkov seems to be Albert Einstein has just accidentally time traveled himself back. Yes, with a ray gun and all yeah. that jazz. So it's it's kind of great. After the collegium, we have what have we gone through? What haven't we hit yet? We haven't hit uh, uh, oh, Maze Rats, Maze Rats. Union. Yeah. Uh, so so the Maze Rats are interesting because they're one they're the pirates because naturally. You have this. So, right. so Jordan said that the the maze uh, is parts of California that broke off and sunk in the ocean, and in the maze are a whole bunch of places where folks could take boats out to go mining to mine for ghost rock. So it was like kind of all these like mountains and mines and all this stuff that people dug into the maze or what was left of California, and to get all this ghost rock out. And because there's ocean. There are pirates, and the Maze Rats are a crew of just a mishmash of pirates from pretty much every single culture on the planet. Though mostly Asian. Though mostly Asian pirates, yeah. uh, but they are from all sorts of different cultures, and they even have, you know, they have, like, samurai and ninja and stuff, too, on the Maze Rats. So, like, it's a mishmash of, like, all, like, for some reason, they're like, yeah, put all the pirates and the ninjas together on one team, and that's kind of what you have. Sure, I mean, it's, it's uh, a little problematic, honestly. Yeah, of but, course. But, um... They, again, because this is pulp, yes. right? Because the, the bent of this game is pulp, they can do pirates, but they also do, like, they give them, like, kung fu abilities. Mm -hmm. And kung fu actually becomes a big part of this game, which is weird. Weird. But it's still with the game even now in the reloaded version. Yeah, yeah, no, they brought kung fu back. And, uh, yeah, the Maze Rats. And after the Maze Rats, we have... Yeah, I, uh, I, I think we're up to our, our last few factions, if not the last faction, which is the Sioux Union. Yeah. Uh, the Sioux Union represents uh, another big alternate history, which is that... So, so after Little Bighorn, right, their victories kept on going. They're able to form a coalition, which is essentially the Sioux leading all of the different tribes of First Peoples to trying to reclaim, like, the High Plains and, like, their stuff. But more, more importantly, to the main storyline... They are the faction that is fully aware of the Reckoners and the Servitors and the big evil that is coming. So they see this city, Doomtown, Gamora, as like, this is the place where the final battle must be fought. And if we lose here, we lose it all. And their arch nemesis in the storyline are the Watleys. They are, only because the Watleys literally are the opposite. The Watleys yes. are like... Oh, the world is ending. We want front seats. We'll help exactly. if we can. Exactly. And the Sioux Union are like, we have to do everything we can to stop this. They're, the Sioux Union is like, they're like the protectors of the planet. Right. Um, two other quick factions yes. that, that wrap up sort of the rest of the game. The, the last faction, I guess we could say, or the faction that we have not really talked about the, is... Yeah. What's that? The Flock? Yes. So this faction is... It's, a, it's an official faction. Yes. But it was very short-lived. Yes. So the game only ran for four years, 98 to 2001, midway through because it was you could have storyline tournaments where whole people were killed or whatever. Um, they said, hey, at the end of this particular storyline tournament, the, the, the faction that's in last place is going to get eliminated from the game. There is a faction of religious zealots who follow a false prophet named Elijah, and they call themselves the Flock. And they wield miracles, uh, like spells, like clerical spells, uh, with like terrible power. 
And much like the Watleys, they're literally trying to bring about the end of the world. But like, rather than having a front row seat, they are the show. Yes. And they are super, super evil. So it was cool that they had that tournament, but also like, that was one of the most interesting factions. And the game never quite recovers from not having the flock around. In fact, they kind of like backtrack on that and they create the Lost Angels who are almost the same faction. Yeah, they're pretty much the same faction, uh, but they're it's, a little it's, bit It's more, bad that the flock yeah. was gone. I think they realized they kind of fucked up. Yeah, and also in that type of setting, you kind of need the religious... I mean, I'm going to say Christian because yeah. they're borderline Christian religious Christian zealots because it kind of fits with everything else when you have monsters and witches and all that stuff too. And then you had one faction that wasn't really a faction. It was actually just one character. Um, The game has one drifter character who is straight up Clint Eastwood from Western movies. Um, The character's name is Austin Stoker, like probably the most badass name you could think of. And he's not working for anybody. He is just himself. And he has, you know, a really interesting backstory where he may or may not have sold his soul to the devil. And he's trying to just kind of make it all right. Um, Mm -hmm. But he's like Gamora's most wanted. He's kind of his own thing. And he weaves in and out, in and out through the story of the game, uh, including a big showdown with a demon called Nick Nevin, who gets summoned again in the sort of middle third of the game. Um, And those, those are your factions. I mean, it it could hardly make it more interesting sounding than that. Yes. Um, Hopefully you wrote everything down. Totally wrote everything down. My own experience with Doomtown, which I didn't I'm get sorry, to. I'm sorry, we didn't get to that. I no, apologize. totally. I, this is now as, now as good a time as any. Similar to Mike, I was really into other collectible card games, predominantly Magic, which is what our group was playing throughout all of middle school and high school and college and even still even today, now, yeah. even now. Um, so I was buying a lot of Inquest magazine and a magazine called Duelist. Yes. And Duelist magazine had this one special issue. I don't know if this was the issue where I got my Lucky Rabbit's foot or if it was another one, but it did like a couple of pages with this beautiful two-page spread like to start the story off on Doomtown and the card art was so striking to me like cards like I think the card is called Nightmare something like that uh the load which is like the mother load which is like just this huge cloud of spirits coming up from the ground the experienced Howard Finley which is Jack Nicholson and I was like what is this game and it just looked so cool and I was really into the pulp horror Mm-hmm. art mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but more than that i was also into poker and stuff as a yeah. kid so i loved that the there was like these poker chips and like you could like the hands were based on forming the the poker hands it was just so cool so i, I do remember bringing it in to show you and be like mike you got to see this we had that card store in huntington yep which was mostly populated with people playing magic of course um Yu-Gi-Oh was huge pokemon was huge but this store had a lot of people that played weird games they played Legend of the Five Rings. They were playing Raw, yeah, which was Raw the, deal. Uh, the yeah. uh, Raw Deal was the the wrestling card game. They played even like Spellfire and like games that no one should play. <laughs> Magi Nation was fucking there. A terrible game. Um, but people played Doomtown. Yeah. By the time, I, I don't know when I showed you the magazine. It might have been years off from when we actually got to that store to play. Doomtown was dead. It was after 2001 for sure. And that store owner, Scott or Eugene or one of those guys was just like, these cards are worthless. Take what you want. They had a dime bin where they would basically just let you take whatever you wanted. Not, you know, don't even pay the dime. And then buy any packs you wanted. What was funny was Doomtown was a card game where, like, it lost all its value immediately. Immediately. It's not like a versus system or something like that where, like, weirdly those cards still, like, have retained value. Like, some of those money cards are still kind of hard to get. Yep, yep, yep. Doomtown, you could basically pick up anything you want for hopefully no money right now. There are probably still some specialty collectors, and there are some cards that are hard to get. But, like, for the most part, you could pick up anything. 
I do remember there was one particular set of Doomtown which was more powerful than the other sets, and that was the only set that was hard to find. Do you remember it? Yeah, Mouth of Hell. Mouth of Hell. Yeah. Mouth of Hell. It had really cool art yep. uh, for the, like, the, the logo on the set, and it was just hard to find. Doomtown was also impeccable at packaging. Yeah. When you bought a box of Doomtown cards, it actually folded up to look like a Western town building. Mm -hmm. um, they had the Pine Box sets, which yep. were like one of the first really nice reprinted sets where each Pine Box was a faction, and the actual cards came in a box shaped like a coffin. Like a coffin, yeah. Which was beautiful. And then, um, you know, the, the story of that card game is just really sad. I think it couldn't find a home. It, like, kind of lost its player base. But I think ultimately, uh, dear listener, why the game didn't make it, this is my hypothesis, was just that the game was ultimately too mature yeah. for a card game playing base. Yeah. And Magic, even though Magic was fucking huge, Magic hadn't kind of become the thing that, like, had aged with older players. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. the first Magic players are playing in the early 1990s. Those people weren't the main players. Do you know what no. I mean? Like, the college-age players weren't the main players of Magic. Kids were always the main players of Magic. Now, because we all aged with the game... Magic players tend to be a little older. A little older. People in their 20s and 30s. Right. But people in their 20s and 30s weren't really playing Magic as no. much at the time. No. It was High mostly schoolers. teenagers. High schoolers. High schoolers yeah. and college kids. Yeah. Most of whom were not playing Doomtown. I think Doomtown, had it been pitched to adults initially, uh, might have done something. But it, it, you know what? It is just a niche thing. I think, I, I think it might have found everyone it was going to find. But we'll yeah. have to see in our pitches if we can get it a wider audience. See, I don't think Doomtown... And, you know... I don't want to get into the mechanics of the game really too much because it's just right, a lot yeah. to explain. It really doesn't really matter. At the end, I think the most valuable part of Doomtown is the IP. It's the characters. It's the story. There's some compelling, uh, some really compelling aspects of of Doomtown and its story and its characters that I think would have would help it transcend its own medium to something else and ultimately in the end like when you look at stuff that gets that gets produced on tv or in film and you look at it and you're like yeah this stuff is really good and then you look at like what doomtown has it's like doomtown if done correctly it's like this is a home run property it's got something it's got something because anyone we explain doomtown to is immediately like i'm all in it's got something for everyone yeah. if you like horror it's there if you like westerns it's there if you like science fiction it's there if you like piracy it's there if you like crazy alternate past stuff it's there yeah it's not a hard sell you tell most people most nerds like hey it's a pulp horror western yeah it's a it, they might even understand the term weird west and like they're interested yeah but there's not a lot they can do to interact with this property anymore the yeah. original game the classic version of the game is dead yeah and the cards are now hard to find even yeah. if they're cheap yeah and the new version of the card game i'm so sorry if you're a player of the new version of the card game you know, I'm not trying to be insulting. The new version, like, kind of went away from horror. Mm -hmm. They simplified the rules a little bit. They cleaned it up just to make gameplay a little bit more uh, streamlined, I think. And because they got away from Gamora to show you, like, the larger world of the Weird West, it lost a lot of its horror vibe that kind of made the game really work. Um, they tried to make up for it that, like, they brought in a creepy new faction called the Fourth Ring. It was like an evil circus. It was cool, sort of not cool enough. It never really reached the heights of the original game. They did they when they rebooted it as Doomtown Reloaded, they created um if you know the term LCG. Yes. A living card game, which is like the Game of Thrones card game, which basically means like when you buy the new set, 
you receive four copies of all the cards. You don't have to go out and collect anything. It's not a trading card game. There would be no reason to trade anything. Um, so it's just like, oh, hey, a new a new set of Doomtown came out. Let's go buy it. Oh, I now own all the cards. You own all the cards. Uh, which is a cool approach. It is an expensive approach. Like, people don't always want the whole Saddlebag, no, which no. is what they call their expansions. A lot of times people will either buy a box for themselves to get what they can get, or they'll buy singles on the yeah, internet. even Magic, when a new set comes out, if I'm not in it whole hog, I'm usually like, I'll buy a couple singles, which is not something you could do at Doomtown Reloaded. No, you can't. You have to, well, unless, you know, you could go to eBay and stuff if people are like breaking open their expansions. Yeah, but, yeah. but hard, it's hard. No, but ultimately the big self, <clears throat> the big self for Doomtown is, is its story, its characters. I think it's so interesting um, with what you could do with Doomtown moving forward. The game was good. It was overly complicated, but it was a lot of fun. And we had some pretty good rivalries back when we used to play quite a bit. But we've explained what Doomtown is. We know our experience with Doomtown. I think it's time to kind of get into like where the pitches lie here. Sure. So, uh, Jordan, if you if you want, please uh, let's let's open up this case of Ghost Rock. Okay. Uh, how about this? Ooh. So I think the temptation is there to turn Doomtown into. It could be a television show, it could be a yeah, movie, it yeah. could be a comic book. All those things would be good because, again, like you said, what's valuable about the property is the IP. But mm-hmm. I have to try to do right by the game as I first fell in love with it. Got it. Which is as a card game. Okay. Okay. So what I would propose then is this. Basically, we are going to roll Doomtown back to its beginnings we are going to reduce the scope of the world of the Weird West back to just the town. Mm-hmm. And I earnestly want, and I, I use this word very sparingly on the podcast, I want a reboot of wow, the original that's Doom a first. Town. It is a first. Basically, what we have out there, folks, is a property that is just kind of floating in the ether because they're not really sure what to do with it. They're like, okay, a lot of people played the classic version of the game. I would say not enough. I think there's a lot of audience that can be reached there, but they're like, oh, we have to give people something new. and But... You don't. Go back to the original game, reprint those cards, fix the individual cards that absolutely needed to be fixed, maintain all of that good original artwork without, you know, kind of trying to cheapen it by, I don't know, reducing the production quality. Some of these new cards just don't look great. Update it to be a little bit more what you need it to be, and then just retell that great story. What you have the opportunity to do is to essentially create a pulp novel in collectible card game form which is beautiful which is beautiful and the way players get to customize their decks is actually very akin to it's kind of image crafting right and it's even more bladed edge than magic the gathering's image crafting like what people do with their commander decks we've often said on the show or amongst our friends and each other your commander deck is like an extension of yourself right that was very true of doomtown decks because it's like yeah you could pick up one faction out of many factions. And then there was like different versions of how each faction played. Yeah, because each faction had a home card, right. which would affect your, your faction. And each faction actually probably had three home cards by the time the game was over. Right. So each home did something different. So yes. the Law Dogs, like you could see as they went through time... There was a Law Dogs at the beginning that was all about, you know, getting rid of guys that had bounties on them. There was a Law Dogs faction home card that would give them benefits if they had weapons. There was a Law Dogs faction towards the end that was more of like, hey, this town's gone crazy, so everyone's a cop now. Like, you're just throwing everyone guns, and there's mob justice and all that. So 
it's um it kind of went through uh, the storyline and the, the home abilities would change. So that's what um, each home you could have two law dogs players that would play the team completely totally differently. differently. Yeah. You would have one who would play them like a cop, yep. or you have someone like me who played them and it was all guns blazing right. all the time. Yeah, so the factions, they have these different ways to play them, and those are essentially your colors, like if you're comparing this game to Magic. Um, So it was this really inventive, beautiful thing. What I would like to see is this. Uh, They do need to borrow some of the structure of Magic the Gathering to keep a collectible card game sustainable. One of the things that makes Doomtown inaccessible, even to people that know the classic game and tried to play it, was that it was very hard to figure out where you were in the storyline how the system of reprints worked out because mm-hmm, reprinting mm-hmm. in the original Doomtown game was a nightmare. Cards were reprinted internally amongst the first just nine episodes of the game that were released because the first nine sets were called episodes one through nine. Which probably came out over the course of what, like a year or two? Right, probably. And then there was sort of internal reprints in there and then Starter Decks and then Pine Box, which was a reprint set and Boot Hill, which is a reprint set. And some of their set symbols were kind of reprinted reprinted over and over again. And the best set, Mouth of Hell, was so short-printed, no one could get it. Trying to find a double-barreled shotgun became like an impossible quest. Yeah, I know. I tried to live that life. Right. You eventually got it, right? I got one. Yeah. It was pretty good. Yeah. And out of a starter deck. (laughs) Right. Still, though. So, it just needs to be more streamlined. The sets need to be really clear. And those factions all need to be there. Yeah. So what you do is, my, my pitch or my proposal is, the initial Doomtown set, which I would just title Welcome to Town, yeah. okay, is going to combine the best of sort of both worlds here, right? There's going to be a base set that everyone owns that basically has enough of the common material to make any starter deck you want. Mm-hmm. And it's going to contain nine homes. Okay. Okay, so you get all nine factions. There's no, like, releasing them a little bit at a time. Almost like you're buying a land station for... Oh, that's so well said. It's like a land station, and it's got all the generic cards in there. Okay? This allows you to say, like, hey, I've got nine home cards. What do all these mean? Oh, these are the factions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Great, I understand. And then here's, you know, 100, 200, whatever, of, like, generic dudes. Yeah. A couple of them might be a faction affiliated, but really anyone can play them. The upkeeps on them aren't bad. And then as you're playing with that starter set, uh, or it could be a starter deck, however you want to package it, the Welcome to Town starter pack, you're going to find a faction that you kind of like. Mm -hmm. Now you can go and pursue a starter deck that's appropriate to your faction. Yeah, I like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So the first sets, again, you can Western theme this, you can call them like the revolver sets or something like that, or the nine shot or whatever. Go buy the dudes that are specialized to that faction. Yeah. Right. And that's your intro. And then just release expansions as normal. Yeah. Right. What they were always trying to do was to get around the fact that they never did that. Yeah. That they never released all nine factions at once. That you had to kind of like weirdly hunt for them. And you had to know which sets had which factions in it. it was yeah, it was, it was tough. And also they were always trying to get you to, I guess they were trying to get around the fact that like some packs would be totally useless to you. Because you're like, oh, I'm a flock player. This whole pack only had law dogs in it mm-hmm. or only had law dogs and agency guys in it. I, I'd say it doesn't matter. I'd say if you're releasing a starter pack where everyone gets all the faction cards right away, none of those cards are going to be useless for anyone. Yeah. So I'm going to use your term again, land station. Mm-hmm. If you know that you have access to the flock home at any time or the Sioux Union home at any time, you don't care about drafting those guys. No. 
you don't care about getting a booster pack that only has XYZ faction in it because you can trade those off. Yeah. Or use them yourself. You have those homes already. Yeah. So there is that piece to it. I think there are too many good storylines from the classic game to ignore. Mm -hmm. So I think playing through that story is important. Mm -hmm. And I think storyline tournaments should matter. Yeah, of course. Um, And I think that's something cool to bring back. But now you need to have the internet to essentially publish those stories in a meaningful way. It was too hard to figure out what had happened. Yeah, in the Doomtown storyline tournaments. Yeah. It's still hard. Yeah. So you publish that on a common website. Everyone can see what has happened. They can discuss what has happened. And you create this this really great, very competitive player base out of it. Yeah. The only changes to the game that need to be made is playing at a big table with multiple players needs to just be a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Right, So you can have this multiplayer idea where uh, control and influence are a little bit more regulated to being uh, accessible for multiplayer play. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of those things. And then, to be honest, that's, that's about it. You would just regulate deck building so that it was, again, like Magic the Gathering, there's a standard deck building set, yeah. which is current to the storyline. Yes. And all of your uh, legality is based on storyline. Mm-hmm. Standard means standard as of the last rotation of story. Yeah. Right. So, so the last year or two or whatever. Right. The last year or two. Or you could even pin it on an event. Yeah. Anything post the death of J.P. Coleman, right, is yeah. legal for play currently, uh, you know, or something like that. And then you just create a legacy version of the game, or you can call it Legends of the Weird West, where any card is legal. It's all fine. It's all good to go. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have at least two modes of play. You can probably get it even more complicated from there. Doomtown used to run bicycle tournaments, yep. which was only for the legal decks. I thought yep. that was really cool. They used to have revolver tournaments, which was like people would square off with six decks, which I think is great. Basically, I just want the game to come back. Yeah. Um, so someone really needs to sit with the original cards, say what needs to be added, come up with what that initial starter would be. Again, welcome to town or whatever you want to call it. That gets people interested in all nine factions and gives them access. And then a series of nine starter decks when they finally pick the faction they want. And then only release totally regular, easy follow, easy to follow expansions from that point forward. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and then lean into your pulp comicness, right? You could release comics and things that yeah. go along with the game. Some of the fun of Doomtown was reading little booklets. Yeah, that came with that. Keep your old packaging. Keep that together. Release three sets a year, like Magic does, mm-hmm. or two sets a year. Keep that on a consistent basis. Release actual clay poker chips. Yeah, that have Ghost Rock value on them, mm-hmm. right? Make jokers something that are ubiquitous and not something that are like super mythic rares that people have to chase down. Yeah, you should be able to have at least a couple of regular jokers. That's right. Every player should have had access to two jokers. They became way too hard to find. They were awesome art. It was a really special thing in the game, but like everybody needed to have them and they made them very difficult. I understand the specialness of having them. And the Death's Head Joker in particular was something that was like a chase card. Make it that the artwork is what people are seeking yeah. out. Make the jokers so wacky and weird and different that people want to collect them all, but don't make jokers hard to find. No. That's mean. It's stupid. Uh, it's discouraging for players when it's just like, well, my deck doesn't have jokers because I couldn't find any. That feels bad. It does. Um, you can still have card rarity. I think that's that's fine. But don't make card rarity based on things that are vital for people. Like, jokers felt like something that, like, I need jokers to yeah. play. Mm-hmm. Why don't I have them? Oh, because it's a chase rare. Yeah, exactly. That's shitty. Yes. Uh, that was bad for them to do. Or then you'd end up with, like, Fool's Jokers that were terrible. Right, and Fool's Jokers, they took the spot of a Joker in the in the booster pack, or they were, like, a promo or some shit, and it just felt bad. It yeah. was like, why do I have this stupid Joker? It's only good for pulls, which is pulling the top card of your deck and showing the value. It was no bueno. No bueno. No bueno. Bad tequila. Bad tequila. There's some bad tequila. 
get sent home booted for that shit. Yeah, so I, I know my pitch is like quite general, but it's, but it's like really it. just I want an easily accessible version of the game that can hook in some new players. Yeah. And I think the moment is right. I think people want the property... If they know the property, again, I've always said this, this is the easiest sell in the world. Everyone likes this when they hear it. Yeah, everyone. They just don't have the chance to buy these cards or play this game. Mm-hmm. I agree. This is a property that people would die for, I think. Just because it, in- it includes so much stuff that people like and people are like open yeah. about liking. Right. And I think it's a great idea. I think yeah. you can And then the again, on that website for the storyline or whatever you want to do, just like... Hey, give me the synopsis of what happened in the yes. last arc of the story. Yes. Give me the update on each of the nine factions. Yes. And then the overall update, and people will know exactly where they are. Precisely. And that's fine. I love it. And they can find out who's dead, who's alive. You can have tournaments where you can play only the dead characters. You can have a lot of fun with that. You can do a lot of stuff. You can have a lot of fun alternate versions of playing the game. It's it's, right. it's a really cool idea. And, and when people get attached to the characters like that, they have cinematic reactions to things that are happening oh, in yeah. a card game, which yeah. is like actually quite remarkable. It's really cool, and I think it'll fit in the space. And if there is any way to ultimately come up with some sort of like online or you know, computer-based way of playing it as well, I think that could be a really good way to bolster I think that you have to. I think since Hearthstone... I know Magic Online was, like, around forever, but, like, Hearthstone really changed the game. Yeah, because Magic Online was still pretty unforgiving. And and you couldn't play it on an Apple system, which, like, half of everyone has. Um, And Hearthstone and now Magic Arena have really streamlined... Yeah, Arena kicks ass. Arena's really good. Arena got it right. They're both really good. They are. And you wouldn't have Arena without Hearthstone, because Hearthstone pretty much was just like, yeah, we know you like Magic. This is pretty much Magic. And it's, and it's, it's great. And it shows us that... These card games do translate well to a digital uh, or, you know, some sort of virtual way of playing it just because it's, they're good and it works well and it makes it snappy. So it'd be cool if you also had an online component or a a game-based component that you could play on your phone or tablet or your computer when you're not playing the game in person. Yeah. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, but there was something about having those cards on the table, building the town together, yeah. moving dudes around. It really felt very cinematic. And Literally just, dudes. Just, that's what they called the characters yeah, in the game. I would, I would just love to see that come back. And yeah, the, the new game just doesn't scratch that itch. No. They didn't really do event cards. They didn't have like the same horror vibe. Suddenly I was in the OK Corral. Doc Holliday was a fucking character. I was not into it. Yeah, I'm sorry. Nah. And then they, you know, they kept some of the old characters around, but so few. They did, but it was just to keep the classic players mm-hmm. like kind of stringing them along. And it wasn't... Know? Even like the most popular or famous characters. No, you know? I mean outside of like Nicodemus. I mean it was like you know Wendy was there, Dave Montreal, a couple of others. You know, actually a significant number of others, but like not nobody we really wanted. No. Like Nate wasn't there. I Nate, mean, well, obviously, obviously couldn't he be there? He's, he's he couldn't dead. be there. But, but um, it was, wasn't enough. Wasn't Nate enough. Nate was killed by the bailiff. No, no, John Templeton kills Nate, right? Yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. And and this is actually. A testament to what we were speaking about. Mike and I are like diehard classic Doomtown fans. We can't even really figure out what happened to all the characters at the end. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of hastily wrapped up and good records were not kept that were easy to find. No, it's actually almost impossible to find much about Doomtown on the internet. So... Um, oh, uh, I, that was my... That, I'm done with my pitch. My, okay. my pitch was essentially just to reboot the card it. game. Yeah. I love it. I think it's great. And I, I, I think people would, would jump at it. Even if it didn't have a giant audience, it would have a really strong niche audience that would get together and play games. I think the, the current fan base would be for it too. Um, my my pitch is something that uh, Jordan actually hinted at. So how about this? Ooh. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. Like I said a hundred times before, I love the Doomtown card game. I think it's incredibly niche. I think it could work if you bring it back in a way that you're talking about. 
But I think ultimately what makes Doom's Hell so good is the fact that it's just this amazingly ridiculous IP. And from day one, you and I have said this, they've used the likeness of actors on purpose. They It's almost like they prepared for like, what in the event that people like this story and they like this idea so much, what happens in the event that this thing gets optioned for something else? And I think that during the content wars that we're in right now, in terms of streaming services looking for content yep. in a post-Westworld <laughs> right. entertainment world, Westworld ended so poorly and got the third season got us away from what made Westworld great. Yeah. And what made Westworld great was Westworld. Right. The it West. wasn't it was the West. It was the fact that it was this ridiculous Western, mostly grounded in reality. But the world that they had built and the park was the interesting part. Once you take everything out of the park, it's no longer interesting. Yeah, then it was just generic robot show. It was exactly. like low-rent Blade Runner. Exactly, and it's not nearly as good. Right. So ultimately, I think that my dream Doomtown project is that you make a a series. You make a series on Netflix, HBO, Hulu. One of the big boys, One yeah. of the big ones. One of the ones that's not afraid to get a little edgy. Because obviously this is not a Disney Plus show. I This is almost not even a Hulu show. This would probably be a Netflix, HBO, Apple Plus. Something like that that's not afraid to do something with a little bit of an edge or a bite to it. You start the story of a show. And listen, this show is impossible to make because it's going to cost way too much money. Oh, pardon me, this is how about this. Nothing is impossible. Exactly. Nothing is impossible. This show is something that would cost a lot of money because I would want really good A-list talent to come in. And unfortunately, some of the best actors to play some of these characters have either gotten too old or have passed on. But I think you start Doomtown the series the day someone gets into town. And, I, I you know, maybe we create a new hero. Maybe we can create no, a new character. But my, my, my dream of this was... This starts the day Nate Hunter, who ends up becoming the sheriff of Doomtown, who ends up becoming one of the main heroes of Doomtown, the day he walks into town as kind of like this young rancher that has moved to Doomtown with his girlfriend or wife, but I don't even know if they're like together yet. Um, Nate walks into town to kind of start a new life here. As a so Nate Hunter in Doomtown ends up becoming the sheriff. He's pretty much your Robert Redford. Um, he's like young, good-looking, yeah. blonde-haired hero. Yeah. yeah, he's like he he's pretty much you know he is pretty much based off of young Robert Redford. I always thought he certainly has that look. Yeah, he yeah. has that look. So I think I don't know who the you classic would, pulp hero. Yeah, young yeah. young pulp hero. Young yeah. pulp hero. So he he gets in, you know, he gets into town. I think the first thing you have him do is he walks into a saloon, and I think it's. The first character you really meet outside of Nate, and I don't even think they he says his name right at, at the gate. I think he walks into a saloon and he talks to the storyteller of Doomtown, Charlie, Charlie Landers, Landers, who yeah. is a he's ex, a he's a little person. He's a little person, but he's an ex. He was in like a sideshow. Sure. So we already have to drop like a couple million on Peter Dinklage, yes. who is the only person who can play. Yes, Charlie I Landers. think I think you have Peter you have Peter Dinklage play Charlie Landers, and I think the first thing that you do 
is that you have Nate walk into his saloon. I forget the name of his saloon. Was it like the Fat Chance or something like that? That sounds right, actually. I think yeah, it I think it's the Fat, Fat Chance saloon. saloon. So you walk in, he talks to Charlie Landers, and Charlie Landers kind of gives him the rundown. And I think what you do is you get you start the series where Doomtown kind of already exists to a degree. Like some of the stuff in the storyline has happened, but I don't think the Watleys have gotten there yet. So we're at the point in the story in your show where... Okay, it's the the boom town has happened. Yes. We're right in the middle of the Ghost Rock Rush. This town is being built up. Sweet mm-hmm. Rock has already taken control of it. We're getting a lot of blackjacks issues. I think but the, now the supernatural stuff has started to just creep in. You get some of the supernatural stuff. I think Charlie Charlie Landers explains to Nate Hunter, and I don't know who could play Nate Hunter in this day and age. Um, oh, young, good-looking white guy is not hard to find. Yeah, I know, in yeah. fact, that is usually the problem. Yes, that is actually usually the problem. And I think what you run into is that... You know, actually, you know who I'd like to see? Do you know Jamie Bell? Do you know yeah, Jamie Bell's great. Jamie Bell would probably be pretty probably good. Probably be pretty good Nate Hunter. I think that's good. Yeah. And then I think what you do is you have... Nate walks into town and he meets with Charlie Landers. And Charlie Landers gives him the rundown of like all the different people who were there. And maybe you see like a collegium guy walking through the street with some like spider robot that he's hey, testing Hey, you have to out. get the back here. Get the back here. I need the job. And then you run into... And, you know, maybe gives a breakdown. And then, yeah, I think the thing is you have the big fight right now is between the Blackjacks and the... Sweet Rock. And Sweet Rock. I think that's the big thing. And, you know, part of... So, so yeah, initially, you would think the Blackjacks are the villains. You think the Blackjacks are the villains because Sweet Rock kind of owns the town and they're the real estate people and they're the the mining company. But in the end, I I always want to paint the Blackjacks as, like... Somewhat decent anti-heroes. They're the gray Jedi. They're the yeah. I want Jack Jackson to be like a hero. I want him to be ultimately the hero of Doomtown. So Jack Jackson, Idris Elba. Really, you'd go that old? Yeah. Listen, listen, Idris Elba though for his age looks awesome. I will not fight you on Idris Elba if you actually get Idris Elba for this. Absolutely. Who would you cast then? John David Washington. Oh, yeah. Denzel's, yeah, 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 Denzel's yeah, yeah. son. Yeah, I love that. seems to be sort of the heir apparent right now. I love now. that. That's great. Because you know what? 20 years ago, I think I could see Denzel playing uh, yeah, Blackjack, I mean, for sure. He was the man. He's, he is the yeah, man. He's still the man. He's still the man. But uh, I, I just, you know, I like Idris Elba as a gunslinger. I think he, he makes a good cowboy. Yeah, sure. Uh, and... But I, I and also he's got that pedigree with HBO as well. But no, I think that's a great casting if you want to make him a little younger. I like a little bit more of a season, Jack, because I want him to not be in the show for much of the first season, and I want his return to be a big deal. I want him to be away. I want the Jacks at this point kind of somewhat leaderless, um, so they're a little bit even more chaotic than normal. And I want there to be kind of like there's a character named Rachel um, Rachel Sumner Rachel yeah. Sumner who leads the ja- Black Jacks. While Jack is gone. And I want her to kind of be at odds with folks like... Um, who are some of the other guys that are that are close there? Like the Navarro brothers and... Um, yep. And um, Spike. Yep, Spike, Spike Dugan, Dugan, Twitch. Twitch uh, these yeah. are like the Blackjacks gang members. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I want that to be kind of the thing. And I think what ends up happening early on is I think you have... Nate Hunter walks into town, he's trying to look for a job, and I think he gets offered a position as a deputy because there's so many problems in Gamora because you have the Jacks and Sweet Rock who just hires incredibly expensive gunmen and bounty hunters to kind of take people out. Nate Hunter coming to town in your version uh, reminds me a lot of sort of the the Wyatt Earp Dodge City problem. exactly Maybe Nate was a lawman at one point, he got out. Maybe Dave Montreal or Jesse Fremont came by his ranch and was like, we need your help in Gamora. You know, <laughs> you and know? It, 
the thing, the, the, the hard thing with Dave, I love Dave Montreal. The, the problem with he it is that- He's got a great big bushy beard. He's got a, he does, he did have a great big bushy beard, but Dave Montreal is now played by uh, Nikolai Castor Waldo, if you follow oh, the- Oh, very good. Yeah, if you follow the Doomtown Reloaded thing, because that's exactly the likeness they use. Yeah. It's totally yeah. Jamie it Lannister. Does, it does look like him. And he's got an HBO pedigree. So this, so. Is, this, is our, this is an HBO show. It's an HBO show, hands yeah, down. Yeah, hands down. So I think what you do is maybe that's a good idea. Maybe that's the, the start of it, right? You have you have uh, Dave Montreal, Jesse Fremont, some of these law dogs, Charlie, uh, Charlie Flatbush, who believes that style needs to be back in Doomtown. He's a oh. cop, but he's also all about Charlie style. Charlie Flatbush, ridiculous. Bill Murray's far too old to play no, Charlie, Charlie Flatbush. Charlie Flatbush is no longer Bill Murray. No, uh, no longer. Can't but do it. I think that you bring him in, I think J.P. Coleman, at this point, obviously, John Wayne is super dead. Do you get I'm the gonna throw, I'm going to throw out Chris Cooper. Chris Cooper's great. For Chris Cooper's Coleman. great. I love Chris Cooper. He's got like that hard yeah. western edge to yeah. him. A question though: Do we need Timothy Oliphant in the show? Is he one of the Jesses? Wow, Tim Oliphant is great. I don't know how, the best way to use him. That might be an Austin Stoker. Might be an Austin Stoker. He might be a good like blackjacks guy too. He could be. I feel like the other the problem with the blackjacks gang members is that Jack is one of like three big personalities in that gang, and everybody else is like way in the background. Oh, way in the background. Yeah, it's absolutely. like Jack, Rachel. And the Navarro brothers. Spike Dugan's kind of right there. Everybody else is way Cletus, in the back. Oliphant, Oliphant, yeah, but he's low rent too. Oliphant yeah. doesn't fit any of those. No, nah, no, nah, but I like Oliphant as a Western character. I do too, but he's a lead. He's definitely Oliphant's a, lead. a big... If you're going to hire Timothy Oliphant, he has to be playing someone important if he's not the lead. Yes. And none of those characters are important. And Stoker's a good pick. I think maybe Stoker. Stoker's a great um, pick. You know, so Stoker would be like, I guess Nate comes to town. Is it okay how much I'm intruding on your? No, book, this by the is, way? I love the. I, lo- I wanted this to be more collaborative. I think, yeah, you Nate and I are comes doing to town. This. I think like he sees like in the paper, the Gamora Gazette, or he sees like a wanted poster, like, oh shit, Austin Stoker's come around here because this guy's like a legendary Confederate general. Yeah, who turned, defected. Defected. He left the Confederacy and he became like an outlaw. Right. Total, total outlaw. Um, who carries a so saber and everything. He's wanted for like more money than would be possible at yeah. this time. Yeah, yeah. He's one of the most wanted um, people on the planet. So I think a lot of bounty hunters have probably come to Doomtown yeah. looking to just make their fortune, but also to maybe get Austin Stoker. Also, at the same time, you got a lot of bounty hunters coming in who get employed by Sweet Rock to help them take care sure, of the Blackjack problem. Including the nastiest fucking hatchet man of all time. Sweet Rock employed. Everybody that works for Sweet Rock is like squeaky clean. They're oh. all bankers and, you know, people like that. Except for one fucking guy, Jim, Jim McNeil. McNeil. And Jim McNeil, 30, 40 years ago, would have been played by Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, man, but, Randy Savage would be great in that oh, role. Oh, yeah. I'm so sad that the, he The can't. artwork looks like Randy Savage or like Rob Zombie. And I'm trying to think... Right, actually... Rob Zombie would be a great Jim McNeil. You'd be a great Jim McNeil, and I think that I think you definitely need McNeil to be in 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 the uh, in the story as Sweet Rock's gunman. And yeah, he's Finley's hatchet man. I don't know who you get for Finley. These Christian days. Slater. Christian Slater. All right, it's Christian yeah, Slater. Definitely Christian. That's not Slater. even. Yeah, I didn't have to think no. for two seconds about that. Christian Slater's great, but who do you get for his second in command? Max Bain. Max Bain could be anybody. Yeah, yeah. Any, like anybody who's like cute and personable. Yeah, yeah. So you get that, and I think what you do is you have Doomtown is in the, in the midst of this kind of like human versus human chaos, but at the same time. Weird stuff's starting to happen, and you're starting to get more of the harrowed, and you're starting to get more of the horrors coming out at night. And I yeah. think that J.P. Coleman hires Nate to be a sheriff. I'm not sorry. I'm sorry, not a sheriff. He hires Nate to be deputy. The deputy, and I think the first season of Doomtown follows Nate Hunter's progression through the story. You know, he meets. You know, he 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 meets Corky, and they have their kind of romance thing going on. He's stopping blackjacks from 
kind of messing with like he kind of messes with their with what they're doing because to him they're the ultimate problem right now. By the end of the first season, does Nate come around to the fact that the Blackjacks are not the bad guys or or not totally the bad guys? I don't think that happens in season one. I think you end season one with J.P. Coleman getting killed by by McNeil by Jim McNeil. But the problem is, is I think in the story they actually frame Jackson for it. That sounds right. So maybe you have Blackjack in the story early on. He gets framed for the murder and then leaves. Sure. Though ultimately, I, I hate to put it like this because I'm not 100% sure what happened, which is yeah. part of the problem. We've had to like connect a lot of dots for ourselves, mm-hmm, which, mm-hmm. Should, which should sound obvious. I'm not sure if Nate hates the Blackjacks because they killed Coleman. Yeah. It is actually, I believe, because Jack fires on Nate and Corky jumps in the way. Yeah, and Corky gets killed by Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, Corky gets killed by Jackson kind of accidentally, and the only reason... Which Jack feels bad about. Well, of course. The only reason Jack was going to shoot Nate in the first place was because Nate was after him for killing right. for, for killing supposedly Coleman, yeah. co- killing J.P. Coleman. That sounds right. Which eventually, and there's a card in the game called the Evidence. Yeah. Which actually proves to Nate that McNeil did it. McNeil did it, and it was never Jackson. So then, at some point, when everything's going down, and I think ashes to ashes, or maybe even mouth of hell, Jackson and and uh, Hunter actually team up to raid. Um, the big haunted mansion on property to stop the Mouth of Hell from opening up. Yeah, that is later. Mouth of Hell doesn't have the big showdown in it. No. Mouth of Hell is like the the ramp up to yeah, it yeah. In, the, in the card game at least. So I think I think your first season involves your main factions. Well, but how much Supernatural are we getting is my, is my I question. I think we're getting 20-30% I think by like season two. Season two. You be asking what is the fear level fear of season Fear level is probably like four. That's three, pretty four. high. Yeah, maybe like three then. Okay. And I think by like I don't think the Watley House shows up until like the very, very end right. of season two, of season one. I think something happens during season one that forces Jack to leave, and then you got that kind of chaotic. Maybe, maybe JP Coleman gets killed kind of early. Okay. Um, but maybe they do like a time lapse or something like that. Can we afford Tom Hiddleston as Nicodemus Watley? Is the oh question. Oh my gosh, yes, please. <laughs> wow. That's such a good casting. As the evil stuff starts coming in more frequently, that's when you bring in the Sioux Nation. That's when you bring in the Flock. That's when you bring in all these other factions yeah. start coming in in season two and season three. So, I, I, yeah, I guess I, I think that's the best way to do it. I think it's like a... I think you slow burn it. Yes. I think it's just like you get in there and for like the first two, two-ish episodes, three episodes, you're like, this is a pretty good Western TV show. It's yes. really weird. Yes. And then by the end of like maybe episode three in a... I don't know, 10 episode season, they send Nate out, Yeah. go out to the, you know, the ranch, whatever ranch out, outside of town, go check out what happened. I don't know. Somebody got killed by a mountain lion. I don't know. Yeah. 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 And he goes and like, this person was ripped apart by a monster. monster. Right. And Nate's like, I don't, I'm not prepared for this. Yeah. Right. And then just start to bleed that in. Yes. Yeah, slowly. Yeah. I think. And then by the end of season it. one, I think you're like, oh, okay. There's there's there's, mo- there's, there's monsters. Problems. Yeah. What, what's going on in the maze? That is, you know, and I think the, that's where you get like you need a relatively sane collegium character yes. to yeah. be Nate's friend. Yeah, like 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 a Zarkov. Zarkov would work. I actually like Zarkov because he's old. Yes, and that's a nice contrast. Too and bad you, get, you like, can't young... get Christopher Lloyd. I know, but that's good. Oh, you you might. He's like eighty. Yeah. So that's good young man, old man vibe. And I honestly think like Robert Holmes is like too boring and stuff like that. So yeah. that, that's a good one where like you get an old man character. Okay. Like Zarkov to say like, 
this, uh, this, these substances are uh, very dangerous and uh, we have to beware. You yeah. know, uh, I think yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. you know. I think that's cool. And you bring that in. And you save the batshit Collegium guys for later. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sit on Phineas von Landingham for a while. Yeah, Phineas von Landingham. <laughs> the guy is... fucking dropping bombs from a he, hot air he, balloon. Yes, exactly. He's a crazy, uh, I guess, German aeronaut. aeronaut who drops bombs out of a hot air balloon. And I think, like, the maze rats start off, they're just in the maze doing their thing and like you kind of get little bits and pieces of them when people like go out to the maze we can we probably have to reinvent the maze rats totally i totally i don't think we can call them the maze rats i don't think that they can be like this multinational thing i think you just choose a country i think it's japan and they're just pirates or china and they're just Um, pirates and they could be pirates that's fine or go late game doomtown and make them iron dragon yeah and yeah. give them the floating zeppelin yeah. and like what the fuck is coming across the water exactly. at us, you know? Exactly. And they're think, really fighting Sweet Rock out in the maze. Exactly. And I think, I think, I, and that's how you make Howard Finley slowly go crazy is that. Well, he just can't hold the he town. He can't hold he the can't town hold anymore. The town. And I think with the monsters and the maze, the maze dragon. Oh, and oh. I have to interrupt. Yeah. I think the way you do Finley is a uh, fifth element. Yeah. Zorg. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah which yeah. is that. The longer Finley's trying to hold this town and can't do it, you start to realize that Sweet Rock, the man Sweet Rock, is a reckoner. Yes. Or is a servitor. Like, um, when Zorg speaks to the, the crazy energy ball in Fifth Element, like, he starts to, like, bleed black blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I think you do something similar with I Finley. I think that's awesome. Where um, he's losing his sanity because he has such frequent contact with this being. Like, Finley doesn't understand what... He just, initially, he thinks he's just there to make money and yeah. hold the town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He slowly starts to realize, like, when this voice is saying, you have to dig deeper, you have to dig deeper, you have to dig deeper, that they don't even care about the ghost rock. They just want to unleash whatever's down there yeah no i think that's amazing and there's something digging down there and it ain't sweet rock, it ain't sweet rock that's for so sure. and i think that's how you bring in the maze too because the law dogs are a good faction to kind of show you what's going on in doomtown because it's like they would get called like you would have someone go hey someone just got murdered in the maze we need to send you out there to investigate would you be opposed to shifting narrative perspectives absolutely you would like that you would prefer absolutely. that absolutely i would you need more do... than one main character yeah i think so at minimum nate, nate and howard nate these are my main characters nate howard finley jack jackson i just thought you were trying to hide him though right you want some kind I of think, lower down i think i think maybe he... rachel I think maybe I maybe I want to retcon that, and maybe I, you have Jack Jackson there early, but then he maybe maybe JP Coleman gets killed a little later. I just want that to happen earlier so that we can eventually see. I want people to see Jackson as a hero. Yeah, I want him to be like ultimately be like a savior of Gamora. Yeah, I don't think you need a collegiate main character. No, no, Zarkov is fine as a Zarkov strong supporting fine. for Nate. You do need a Sioux Union character in there early just uh, to give us like something. I think it's, I think it's got to be like a Tioga Joe. Yeah, or... it can't be Joseph Eyes like no. it can't be the chief right away. Tioga Joe would be like a guy he like hangs out in town. He's kind of a legend in yeah. his own right. Yeah, right? and I also so. think that you do show Joseph. But he's not. You're not gonna follow him, right? You're not well, gonna follow that. Yeah, character. maybe someone's having like dreams of him or something. Yeah, like that, and I think or... maybe later on, once the evil starts coming right. out, and I think eventually, I don't think you. I don't. I don't know if I ever want to follow the perspective of like a Watley. Maybe mm, a little. 
I don't know. Yeah, it's hard. That is not your first season. No. Wally's... You can't bring them in the first no. season. They're a second season. They are too weird. Too weird. You have and to... they'll derail the show. Of course. People because... will only want to know, well, what's going on with that family over there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, might, you could send a scout ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you could send, like, there's one Wally in town. Yeah. The fuck is up with that guy? Like Jack yeah. or... or, or... Right, one of the guys that are ex- generally acceptable. Yeah, like someone who like seems normal-ish. Basil, the art dealer, yeah, or something like he's, that. You he know? might be good. Uh, you can get Zipporah in there, who's like kind of normal. Right, she's super memorable. But yes, yes, um, um, something going on there. Yeah, some one of these Watleys, definitely not Wilhelmina or Nicodemus or Enoch or anything. Yeah, these Wilhelmina like you can't bring in until the house just kind of magically appears. And also, you have to resolve this. This was something that the card game never did well. I realize, by the way, folks, these are all deep cuts, and you have no idea what we're talking about unless you played the game. Stay along. Follow with us. Read it online. There are two creepy mansions in town that don't belong there, which is too, too many. It's too many. You probably have to combine the Watley family estate with Lord Grimley's I think you definitely do. You know. I think you definitely do. I think... So, man, I don't even know if the listener wants to hear this, but if you've listened to us this far, you're just... You're going to get it all. In the story of the game, before Gamora's even established, there was a cult that was there yeah. maybe a hundred years prior, like towards the founding of America, and led by this guy, Lord Grimley, yeah. who was trying to bring about the end of the world, but he failed. Yeah. He didn't do a good job, but he built this crazy fucking house out in the California desert at the time. you know. And then separately in the game, the Watley family estate just sorts of sh- sort of shows up in town. The, their house from Massachusetts, Arkham, probably shows up. I think you just make that the same property. I think you make it the same I house. think like, oh, someone moved into the old cult house. Yeah, yeah. Who are these people? Yeah. You know, and you I do it like that. I think that's a good idea. Or you just don't have anything. You just have the house magically appear. Right, which I don't know. It might be too weird. Might be too weird. I don't know. It I don't know. Be too weird. Because Doomtown is a show that goes from like zero to 60 in three expansions. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. The initial expansions of that card game, of that world, it's just like, oh yeah, it's black hats versus white hats. And here's the evil mining company. And yeah, you know what? We Occasionally the dead rise from the grave. And yeah. that's like the weirdest thing that happens initially. By the time you're getting to like, there's a giant demon under the ground and there are souls in the fucking ghost rock and uh, I built a giant robot. It's going to destroy the town and the rail wars have come. It's just like, it gets so unwieldy so fast. Yeah. You really have to try to restrain you it. You got to restrain it. And I think, you, like you said, you slow burn it, but you also can't give them too much too quick because you don't want to scare people off. But you also can't not put the supernatural thing in because if season one is just like a really good Western show and then all of a sudden season two and there's a big magic house on the hill with a bunch of monsters coming out of it and like Charles Manson in the in the, in the the attic. like Oh, good old cousin Saul. Saul Wally. I, you know, it's like, I don't think that works either. Right. So you, you kind of have to like slowly but surely you got, mix it in. You got to build to Lincoln. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Episode one can't be Lincoln. And I also think that towards the end of, <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely not. I think towards the end of season one too, some of the, some of the, the trench coats and some of the agency folks do start showing up yeah. being like, uh, yeah, there's monsters here, guys. That's definitely a law dog thing where it's just like, we're being watched. Yeah. Yeah. There's another presence oh, here and in then town. of course you get that moment where like. Court Williams, who's like the field officer for the union. Officer Big Balls. Officer Big Balls himself comes in and is just like, this is out of your jurisdiction. Right. And J.B. Coleman's like, what are you talking about? And they have their like classic FBI versus the local police standoff. (laughs) Right. Then I think, I guess Nate gets taken to meet the big boss and like, you're going to meet Mr. Lane. Yeah. And he takes him aboard the fucking, I don't know, agency train or whatever. And then they get... um, And Abraham Lincoln fucking turns around. Yeah. And then it's... um, Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. The best actor of all time. Yeah, of course. In this really campy, Wild West, Weird West show. Yes. We got millions. Could you imagine... Daniel Day-Lewis in as this Lincoln show. Specifically. As Lincoln specifically. As Lincoln specifically. Like, I, it's the wildest thing that could ever happen. And what's funny... Like, I will reprise my role as Lincoln. 
if he is undead Lincoln in the Doomtown well, HBO show. I remember when he won the Oscar for it. He was like, "I'm going to miss. I'm going to miss Abraham." And it's like, well, we got something for you. I just I want Daniel Day Lewis so badly to do a tasteless sequel to one of his great movies. Like I yeah. really want like Phantom Thread Two, <laughs> Judgment Day. The unraveling. So I know to all you out there, this seems insane, but I think it's a really. They've had way. no idea what we've been talking about for about forty-five minutes. Yeah, but now they're really into Doomtown. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna cause the resurgence of the game, but no, go out there and research all this stuff. Check it out. I think that it could make a really great, amazing TV show with some. We got to get some good talent, and and it could be a lot of fun. All right. So a couple of ca- who would you cast this Tombstone Frank? By the way. Tombstone Frank. Uh, Who ends up just being a head. By Adam the Baldwin. Why not? Adam Baldwin. Specifically, he's not related to the Baldwin brothers, I don't think. Mm-mm. But he uh, he was uh, he was Jane on uh, on Firefly. Yes, he was. I think he looks like Tombstone Frank. Yeah, that works. That works. Or wow, we do Oliphant. Oliphant might be a good Tombstone He'd Frank too. Also, be too. pretty good. Any other dream casting that you'd like to do? I feel like we've put so many people in these roles over the years. Oh, we have to find a spot for Anya Taylor Joy. I think she's a Watley. Season two, she's Dolores Watley. Mm-hmm. Or possibly Zipporah. Zip- probably Dolores. Probably Dolores. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. She would. That, that's her role. Yeah. Yeah. I think that works well. There are so many big personalities. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's almost too oh, big. Oh, uh, <laughs> poor Bob Bidwell, I think, is uh, Steve Buscemi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bob, Bob Bidwell. Bob Bidwell, who's just like a non, non-unique... Just regular just guy, a shitty character, yeah, just but I think for very funny, like a Coen Brothers esque uh, yeah. sort of character. Yeah, like a real sad character. Um, Charlie Flatbush. I don't think Bill Murray's good for that anymore. That was someone we used to joke about as a kid. I would actually use uh, Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah, I think as Charlie Flatbush yeah. would be fun. Just doing like his Buster Scruggs thing. I love that. What about um? Also, who would be good? We need to find a spot for Tom Waits. So. <laughs> the devil is not in the game, but there's like a lot of characters who maybe are the devil. Old Scratch. Yeah, Nick like Nevin. he could be that. Yeah, like he could be that thing. Whether he's like a monster voice or he's like the drifter. Yeah. Oh, the drifter's cool. He's too. just like the guy that comes through, and you're like, don't talk to that guy, but like he knows shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like maybe you go out to the wasteland to go speak to him by the campfire. I like that. And like that's his his deal. I like that. Um, but he should be some kind of like. Or this is the other way I would use Tom Waits. He's Humphrey Walters. Yep. He's the town founder who yeah. is secretly a, a, a werewolf. werewolf. <laughs> a like a very badly disguised werewolf. What I always thought was, I think it's Paulo Parente is the artist that does Humphrey Walters. In fact, that's exactly right. They're like, this character is a lycanthrope. And you're like, what does that mean? You look at his picture and she's like, this dude's obviously a werewolf. Cl- clearly a werewolf. Like yeah. he's not even trying to hide. And it. then the card, the werewolf is like wildly powerful. Yeah, it's gross. Because <laughs> it's, it's a very, very good. Because it's a werewolf. Yeah, it's like a four stud or something yeah, like that. It's a giantly powerful, really powerful, giantly powerful monster. But yeah, that's my pitch on Doomtown, man. I think he could make a really good, terrific, a really good billion dollar series, project, billion but, dollar project that that wouldn't make its money back. Um, but you could merchandise the heck out of it. You could merchandise the heck out of it, and I think, uh, and I know HBO is interested in this because they do put out shit like you know Harley Quinn and stuff like that. It could be a very good animated, animated series, a great animated series, you and, vo- and you can get some of the some some big names to do voice work, you know, too. So it's it's cool. I would love to see. I think Doomtown as an animated series might even work better because it's so out of out of its out of control. Sure. Also, it's um, it would just be a very difficult show to do otherwise. Yep. It's a lot yep. of practical effects. Yep. It's a period piece. Yep. Um, animated might be the way to go. Animated might be the way to go. And honestly, I just want to see it out there. I want to see more Doomtown in general. I want the general public to be more familiar with it because I really do think. It is quite good. 
So that's our pitches, man. So thank you so much for tuning into this yeah. episode about Doomtown. I don't know if a single person listening to this had any fucking clue what we're talking about, but you know what? We did one for us. And actually, if you're a Doomtown fan and you're out there, please reach out to us in the yeah, comments section. Do. For once, this is like this is something near and dear to our hearts that we feel a lot of people don't know. So if you were like, did they really do a Doomtown episode? Reach out to us like as human people. We actually want to talk to you. Yeah, we would love to talk to you about Doomtown and what you think about the game and, yeah. and the storyline and all that. So once again, I have to thank the best co-host on the planet. Uh, he on. who opened up the mouth of hell himself, Mr. Jordan Hugh. Thank you so much. Yes, and thank you to Mike who he stopped... He stopped the maze dragon from um, eating the people of Gamora. Well, that's really nice. I did use one of and those. And you, you looked Nick Nevin right in the face, and you shot him full of auto-incendiary bullets. I was going to say I used some auto-incendiary bullets on the maze dragon. Man, what a good card. It's such a great card. <laughs> so thank you all for listening. We'll be back uh, next time with a very fun episode that we actually have to had to re-record, but I think you're going to really love it. This is like... We're going to pretend it was the first take. This, yeah, we're going to pretend it was the first take. This is like the soft open of season two, but we hope you continue to listen because very soon we are doing our Halloween Spectacular which will be a month of spooky stuff that Doomtown is like borderline spooky, so it almost fits. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of How About This, where Jordan and I talked about Doomtown. We really hope you enjoyed it. We had a lot of fun talking about this. Obviously, this is something that we love. It's a property that we are gigantic fans of, and we do hope that it comes back in some way way shape or form and if you want to support the podcast please find us on instagram at how about this pod you can also find us on facebook at facebook.com slash how about this pod you can find me on instagram at the underscore mike underscore staub and you could contact us and write to us and tell us what you think about doomtown or pretty much anything else we talk about also if you do have a minute please give us a, a like a subscribe a review Share us with your friends, all that jazz, because all of that stuff makes this show that much more visible, especially if you follow us and leave a comment or something like that. So once again, for Jordan Hugh and myself, thank you so much for listening. We have a lot of great content coming up, and we have a very special episode next time. So please hang out. Enjoy, and if you haven't listened to a bunch of our old stuff, it's all on the podcatcher of your choosing. So, enjoy, and how about this?